What is up, podcast fam? Welcome back to the Energy Exchange Podcast, where I am committed to creating a community filled with more movement, more gratitude, and more joy. So thank you so much for tuning in in today's show. Now, I do have one request. As you're listening to the show, I don't want you to just let the information go in one ear and out the other. I want you to do your best to apply this information, this knowledge, this wisdom into your life. So please make the most of this time. I appreciate you so much. And one last request is if this show resonates with you, if you gain some sort of value from this episode, please, please, please leave a review in the iTunes store. It makes such a huge impact in this mission to reach more people and inspire more people and empower more people. I love you so much. Thank you in advance. I appreciate you. And I can't wait for you to dive in today's show. Let's get it. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Energy Exchange Podcast. And you already know... We got a very special round two in the house, post-quarantine edition with my guy, Adam Freider. And I don't have an intro prepared for Adam, but we did a show at the end of 2019. And Adam is one of the thought leaders in calisthenics, fitness, and body movement. And not only that, but he has a mind that thinks differently. And I'm so excited for him to share some of his beliefs, his mindset that's helped him get to where he is today. And I really want to encourage you during this show to not just listen and absorb this information in one ear out the other. I want you to really see how you can apply what we're talking about and implement it into your life. Because here's the bottom line, guys. Knowledge does not equal power. Knowledge equals potential power. You need to take action on that shit to see results. All right. So without further ado, my guy, welcome. Let's go. Welcome. Thank you. Happy to be back. Number two. What's up, everybody that's watching? Uh, I think what you said is really smart because there's so much amazing educational information out in the world. Education when it comes to fitness and workouts, education when it comes to lifestyle, but not so much application. Mm. So education is great. Hopefully we can put it in a form that's palatable for you guys so that you can learn how to apply some of these things and always grow and excel. What do you think is a key for that? I mean, as someone who has a, bu- a bunch of programs out there and a lot of people, thousands of people are getting results, is there something that you found that you guys have been able to do that has put people in position to take action and not just fade out after a week or a, a two weeks? Well, I think what's important, one, is just the background, right? So I have a tech company. We produce online programs for different athletes in different niches of fitness. The first programs we produce were my calisthenics programs you're familiar with. Now we produce programs for different athletes. Um, when trying to figure out how to make this more applicable for a consumer, Honestly, it was really interesting. The bodybuilding market, the bodybuilding niche of fitness has been one of the most dominating from the beginning of time. Um, and specifically, they're very much used to ebooks, which I find funny. An ebook, whether you print it out or download it via email, is just educational. It's like content you would get in college. It's saying, if you want to learn about your macros, this is what macros are. If you want to learn the types of exercises you could do on chest day, here's some chest, here's some back. And your goal as the consumer of this piece would be, all right, now I'm in the gym. I've learned all these things. I have to figure out how to apply them. Mm. Now that's a great method because if somebody can figure it out, then they've actually learned and that information stuck. They can carry that moving forward. But typically a consumer that's buying a program, they want you to hold your, their hand and walk them through it. So instead of saying, here's what you can do on chest day and here's what you can do on back day. What we do is we say it's week one, it's day one, This is exactly what you do. Do this many push-ups, do this many pull-ups, this many explosive jumps, whatever. Take this into the gym and just do it. No questions asked, just do it. And through only focusing on application, they're actually going to slowly learn. 
rather than focusing on learning and hoping that they'll apply, we just focus on apply this stuff and slowly you're going to learn and you don't realize it. Hell yeah, bro. I love that. And let's talk about yourself right now in regards to your fitness and how you've been able to apply mm. different movements, different modalities during these last three months, right? Because I know you thrive on getting outside, hitting, hitting calisthenics, hitting the bar, connecting yep. with community. Mm -hmm. So how have you maintained that level of fitness during these last three or four months? Well, I think quarantine's been tough just because people have to change their routines and people love routines because they love setting a plan and having that work for them. Mm. What's beautiful about calisthenics and everybody who does calisthenics knows you don't need any equipment. So gyms closing haven't really restricted your ability to train might've restricted your motivation in the fact that we're stuck at home, but that's now a completely different story, right? So for the big bodybuilders, the powerlifters, they need the weights they're going to have their own struggles and having the means to, to work out us bodyweight athletes. We have the means now. How do we have the motivation? And that's been really tough for quarantine. I'll tell you, I used to wake up and the first thing I would do is go to the gym, not because I need a gym. I don't need the equipment. It's just because I need to get out of the house. I need to go into a place mm -hmm. that's like my safe space to work out, to do my thing. And that doesn't exist now. So the biggest struggle I felt was I'd wake up, I'd go right into work, working on this business. Um, and then at the end of the day, if I was feeling a workout, I'd then try to figure out how I can put together a half-assed workout. And I'll be honest, the first half of quarantine, I was pretty demotivated and pretty upset. I was not the, I don't know, I was not the person to admire, at least initially. Uh, we're all on our own journey. We're trying to figure it out. Now, one of the things that I realized years ago, um, I hate, I'm not a morning person. And I definitely dislike, not hate, I definitely dislike working out in the morning. And I had a friend suggest to me when I was going through some highs or in this case, some lows in life, he suggested workout in the morning. And I thought about it. I said, well, hey, I'm not going to get a good workout. He said, it's not about the workout. It's about the fact that the thing that's usually bothering you in life is the last thing that you think about before you go to sleep. And typically the first thing you think about in the morning, if the first thing you have to do in the morning is something that doesn't resonate to your soul, if it's for work, for your boss, for somebody else, then how are you going to be excited to wake up? And if you're not excited to wake up, then you're not going to go to sleep. Why go to sleep? I don't want to close my eyes and fall asleep because I know the next time I open them is to go do something that's not for me. So having the, at least the first hour of your day just dedicated to you, and if that takes waking up earlier, it is so worth it. You will sleep better if you sleep better. You're going to have more energy. If you sleep better, you're going to have more focus. You're going to be happier. It's going to change everything in your life just from that part. Now, yeah. we haven't even gotten into how the quarantines changed my workouts because it's not even important. Honestly, just applying that back into my life changed everything. I said, instead of waking up and opening my computer and doing the work, let me wake up with me time, whatever that might mean. And even if I'm not getting the workouts that I got before quarantine, I'm doing so much more than just physically benefiting my body. 100%. Now, let me ask you in that first hour of the day where you're doing that, are you putting your phone on airplane mode? Are you fully disconnected so you're able to really dive in and be present or, uh, or not? Like, oh, what, what's that first morning tendency? Because I know it's so easy to just get in reactive mode, check right. notifications, check messages, check emails. I know you have a ton going on with your business. Yeah. So are you committed to disconnecting from that during that hour? Leaving this this podcast, this meeting, I, sh I should put that into place. Leaving this, right now I'm in Miami visiting friends and family for a couple of weeks. When I go back to LA after a trip, I live in Los Angeles right now. When I go back, I'm very much interested in applying certain things that have become aware to me when traveling. And I think it's really important to disconnect from your normal routine so that you can figure out where you can grow. You know, when you're stuck in a routine, you might not see growth. When you remove yourself from it, there's all these opportunities. So, um, no, I don't airplane mode it. I don't follow all the perfect rules. Like don't check your phone. If anything, don't check your phone. First thing in the morning, I check it. So sometimes I wish I didn't. Cause once you see that email, you're right. It's hard to be present. I know I need to do this stuff. I know I should be doing this and all oh, this person's waiting on a response, but I think not checking it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. So it's not so much about not seeing it. It's about how you react to it. Right. So I'm working on more so just changing the way that I react. Yes, there's something to do. There is always going to be something to do. 
Even my dad asked me the other day, he's like, you got a lot of work left? He's like, how many more hours until you finish it? There is no amount of time. It it will not be finished. Exactly. And I I do, like, (laughs) that is a concept that I feel like very few people, like even a lot of people close to me, like comprehend and understand. Because like you said, they're usually uh, either working for someone else's mission, right? Or they might just not have like the insane drive that you and I have. And that's, that's not a bad thing. Like it works in waves. There's definitely pros and cons, but going back to the airplane mode, I think it's more honestly of sending that message to yourself. Like, yo, I am the priority right now. And all of that other shit can wait 60 minutes, right? Obviously it's not going away. We know it's there, but if we're going to dive in, it's like, Let's fully commit. That's something that I, I, I think is really important that I've seen a lot of gains from the people I work with because they're constantly connected. They're constantly putting out fires, right. right? Just like you and I, like you've built a team for your business. And for those of you who think Adam is just this dude who posts sick videos on social media and somehow is getting paid from Instagram, that's not how this shit works, guys. He, the amount of times I get that question. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. Sir, please tell me how you make money on Instagram. Yeah, so Instagram doesn't pay me, just so you guys know. I don't think they pay anybody. Yeah, so so <laughs> so Adam Adam actually has like such a wide array of skill sets, and that's why one of the reasons I'm really impressed is like executing different marketing plans and Facebook ads and really putting together websites and, and recruiting talent and understanding different metrics and analytics. Like there's so much that goes into it. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that's something you deserve is like that peace of mind in the morning. It's like, yo, 60 minutes. And obviously when you're traveling, that might shift, but like, but, but I think that's definitely something you deserve. I appreciate that. And dude, honestly, I mean, it's something I want to put into place. I stayed with Jeremy the other night. He was gracious enough to host me and he's got his routines down pat. You cannot break his space. And it's, Part of it takes a lot of self-discipline and self-discipline is going to be one of the keys to success. You show that and I need to get on that because truth is I know the things to apply. I know these applicational things that we talk about, but that doesn't mean that I always have the right process of getting it in place. So like this trip has really brought to my attention how much I'm suffering with poor sleep and I'm having poor sleep because I'm waking up right away to go into business. So I already know that I need to wake up more for myself. How am I going to do it? Well, I was going to just try it. If that doesn't work, maybe it's just go to the airplane mode. Don't look at these things. But for me, a lot of it is setting the intention the night before. Yeah. If I wake up with an empty slate, I'll prioritize things the wrong way. If I go to sleep saying the priorities for tomorrow are this while I'm level-headed, I'm clear. There's nothing pulling me in any direction. That's my clear headspace to make that decision. So typically that's really helpful for me. The night before I'm like in the morning, this is what I'm doing. When I wake up, if I don't do that, I don't want to have a failure as my beginning of the day. I want that W early in the morning. Fuck yeah. yeah. And that's, that's so huge because all it takes is stacking these little wins. Cause you get that little dopamine hit. And so, so often we go to the wrong places. We were talking about this like the other night, right. we go to the wrong places for dopamine. We go to drugs, we go to sugar, we go to porn, we go to pleasuring ourselves, which in some capacity isn't, a problem, but in others it is. And, and understand that by literally stacking these small wins, these little habits, you're getting that little dopamine hit and it's encouraging you to continue moving forward and continue manifesting momentum. And that's fucking powerful. Oh, totally. And I think what you said the other day, which was really smart was that people like those little short hits of dopamine because it's instant gratification. Well, the easier it is to be instantly gratified, the less you're willing to go to different lengths to go and get Mm. these things. And you could put it in terms of like dating. I have a friend who is a player as far as players are concerned. He's slept with thousands of women in his life, but he's really struggling because all he wants is like a woman that he can have kids with, like a real woman that he can date. I've never seen him date anybody because he goes for the instant gratification and sleeps with the girls that are down right away. And because that's available, he'll never hold out long enough to meet that perfect woman. Mm. And again, that's the dating sense, but you could apply that to everything. Remove the sugars and the porn and the this and the that. And now how are you going to gratify yourself? You got to actually do something. You got to stand up, make some effort in life. Yeah. And, and I, think that, I think that's really dope what you said too about like the night before. 
like like you said, your first thought in the morning is going to be almost identical to that last thought you had before bed. Yeah. So for those people listening, maybe, and I know, I know you have opinions on affirmations, um, <laughs> but maybe it is like really getting your day set up the night before. Like think of what you're excited about. Think of the people counting on you. Thinking of, think of all of the new challenges and obstacles that you're going to be able to overcome and let that again, provide that inspiration when you wake up the following day. So, so real quick, um, yesterday or last, last time we spoke, you talked about your dissociation or your desire to dissociate from food because again, in the fitness space, it's protein, 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 macros, all of these things. And I know a few nights ago, we had the pleasure of enjoying the most delicious bacon cheeseburger, barbecue sauce, onion rings, sweet potato fries. Oh, I thought this was our little secret. Yeah, it was <laughs> so, so delicious. So I'm just wondering how that journey has gone for you the last six months. I think it's, it's interesting. Like my dad always complains about having stomach issues but he goes out to eat four nights a week. Well, you're not going to eat healthy if you're always eating out because when you look at a menu, it's, ooh, what do I want? What's my favorite thing on here? Your favorite thing is not the healthiest, but you're treating yourself because you're at a restaurant. But if you always go to restaurants and you always treat yourself, then you literally live in cheap meals and you're in denial that you're having healthy things on the side. Mm. So, but the truth is, if I go to a restaurant four nights a week, it's not special. I actually only go to a restaurant maybe once every other week. I love cooking at home. I don't like eating out so much. So when I do it, it's, it's an occasion, yeah. which makes it that much better. When we had that bacon cheeseburger with the onion ring on top, mm. I, if I ate that every night that week, it wouldn't have been special. I haven't had that in like a month. That was the best friggin' burger I've ever had. It was powerful. So it, it's, I mean, it's like that in everything in life. If you always live your life on a high, then a normal high, like a vacation, isn't a high to you. If you live life on vacation, a vacation isn't a vacation. It's normal life. So my goal in disassociating food is not to say I don't want to eat things that I like. It's that I don't think that every single meal needs to be the most delicious thing on the planet. We eat for a purpose. We eat to give our body the nutrients that we need to survive. That's it. But how many people do we know? And what's the, the obesity rate in America is like 40% and people that are overweight is like 60%. So the majority of people around us are literally eating what they want all day long instead of what they need. I don't know how much nutri like nutri nutrition specifically is in that burger that we ate, a lot of protein, but also a ton of shit that's going to cause inflammation and a lot of fat and all the other negatives that come with it. Sure. Um, doesn't change that it was delicious. Yeah. I think that's the misconception just with cheat meals right? I don't like to say that I have cheat meals. I just have, I have the meal that I desire every so often, call it a cheat. Yeah, of course. And it's like enjoying that meal, enjoying every fucking bite and not sabotaging ourselves. So many people, they do like have that meal and then they feel guilty about it. It's like, oh damn, I fucked up. I'm going to be fat forever. All of these things. I fell off. I can't stay consistent with anything. And, and understand that you're constantly reliving that past, that one little experience, and you're letting that create your future. So you're creating the same results based on your past because you can't let go that you were just enjoying something. It's, it should be intuitive. People ask me what diet I'm on, flexitarian, vegan, pescatarian. I'm not on a diet. I am on what I call conscious eating or the intuitive diet. You know what's not good for you. We all know because we see this is a cheap meal, a burger, a pizza, this or that. We know it, so don't eat it a lot. In moderation, everything is life is moderation, right? We know heavy, super heavy squats aren't good for you to do every day. You do it in moderation once a week, once every other week. It, it's, it amazes me when people think that you need to count calories. You need to track your macros in order to be in shape. That's not realistic. We're on this earth for 80, 90 years. You're going to count calories your entire life. Yeah. No, but I want to stay lean my whole life. Yeah. So I'm just not going to eat like an asshole. Yeah. It's pretty simple. When it comes to lunch right now, after this podcast, we're going to go get lunch. You know what I don't want? I don't want food that's going to make me sleepy afterwards. Mm. I want to keep this energy right now. I want to keep this energy. I have so much more to do today. So what's important to go find something that's delicious. No, I don't give a shit if it's delicious. I don't want it to taste like shit. 
I don't care if it's delicious. I just want it to be nutritious. And 10 minutes later, once it's in my belly, I won't care what it tasted like anymore. And I'll have all the nutrients, the energy that I need, and it will have served its purpose. And it won't have fucked my day up, which is the biggest thing. Chips and guac, Adam. Chips that's and what, guac. That's what we're doing. What was it? It was plantain chips and guac. Was it plantain it was chips? plantain chips and guac. Ooh. I think, um, I think there might've been some pomegranate seeds. And, and, and something for people listening and watching that they can do right now is literally for a few days, try and do it for a week. Literally just track what you're eating and how it makes you feel. You know, the, the best way to get to where you want to go is to understand where you're at now. So really gaining an understanding and awareness of how certain things make you feel. And oftentimes we never stop and actually reflect like, hey, that food made me feel like shit. It made me feel lethargic. It, it crushed my energy. Well, I think right. people are in denial about that. They don't want to relate it to the food. Or they just think honestly that it's perfectly normal to feel average and mediocre. Like people don't- oh, I always get tired after a meal. People don't understand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. People don't understand like what's possible. They don't understand that they are actually designed- to have an incredible human experience filled with optimal levels of performance. Well, here, let me, let me add something applicational for everybody listening, right? What I didn't realize until I was like 25 years old was that lunch is killing me because the typical lunch that everybody's going to have in America is going to be a convenient lunch, something quick, grab and go. We have work. It's typically a sandwich of some sorts, maybe a salad, maybe a bowl. I didn't realize that I can't have carbs in the middle of the day. Not because I'm scared of gaining weight or losing my abs. I can't have carbs because my energy, I'm sorry, my blood sugar will spike and it will crash immediately after lunch. I can't keep, it's almost like I have uh, narcolepsy. I can't keep my eyes open after lunch unless I chug a coffee and I don't like to do that. The minute I remove carbs and just eat protein, just eat vegetables, it does not, I do not get to crash whatsoever. So I literally learned that it took a quarter of a, uh, of a century on this planet to learn that what I'm eating is ruining my day in a sense. Mm. And it's really just self-experimentation. Why did I always feel the need for 25 years to keep eating that sandwich? If I think about what is in a sandwich, it is bread. There's nothing in bread. It's empty. I mean, sure, you can get whole wheat. There's some fiber and some other things in it, but it's still empty. It's a filler food. A couple of pieces of lettuce for a crunch cold cut deli meat, highly processed, full of sodium, so far from its natural meat source with what? Some cheese on top? There's nothing there. It's just meant to fill you up. So what I've honestly learned, and I'm trying to put this into places, doesn't matter how hungry I am. If I can't find something nutritious, I'd rather be hungry mm. because I don't need to just fill up my stomach for the sake of telling my brain I'm not hungry anymore, that I'm feeding my brain. And I think I said this in the last podcast, in America, we live to eat. We do not eat to live. And every animal in the animal kingdom eats to live. It is going to go find food so it can live another day on this planet. It is not every single day just like, let's eat today. What are we going to eat today? What are we doing for dinner? And let's meet for lunch. And like everything revolving around food, mm. our social lives are revolving around food. That's our problem. So if you're going to apply anything and maybe you feel that crash during lunch, try removing carbs, see what happens. Yeah. What's the worst that can happen? You have more energy? I think too. I think that's a great point. And I feel like a couple things. I feel like people use food as a distraction, especially, oh, yeah. especially while we're stuck at home. It's like, oh shit, I know I have to do this, but I'm just going to go to the fridge and see what's good in there. Let me see what I can entertain myself with. And then also we talked about this last time we spoke is just the importance of experimentation of being childlike. You know, it's the same thing with food, trying new things. It's the same thing with movement, trying new movements, trying new modalities. It's the same thing with making love, trying new positions. It's the same thing as living, trying new cities, trying new countries. Yeah. It's just constantly innovating, exploring, seeing what's possible and understanding that there's a realm of possibilities. You don't have to tie yourself to one specific thing. And, and don't listen to Adam. Don't listen to me. Like, find out for yourself. Like live life on your own terms yeah. and then also understand, like if you're listening, chances are you have big ambitions, big goals, big dreams and understanding that your food is a direct reflection of your relationship with yourself. If you are filling yourself with toxic inflammatory foods all the time, 
What is that saying about the way you think about yourself? If you don't think that you are worthy or deserving of nutritious, delicious, high quality foods, I really want to encourage you to look in the mirror and see how that's showing up in other areas of your life. What other areas of your life are you neglecting? Are you not showing yourself the full support that you need and deserve? I think it's funny too, because the way that you feel after you eat can slowly be correlated to your brain's desire for something to taste good. For instance, I used to love McDonald's growing up. You can't argue that fast food doesn't taste amazing. But after a while, I realized it started making me feel so shitty. And every time I'd eat it, I'd feel so shitty. And yes, pun intended, shitty. I would feel exactly what's going to happen later. Eventually, my brain started to correlate that greasy, dirty taste of cheap fast food with that feeling of pain and discomfort. Now it does not taste good to me. When I smell McDonald's, I'm not like, oh, I want it. Instead, I'm like, oh, I want to be out of the room that just smells greasy and gross because I know how that makes me feel. And I know how eating fresh, a vegetable bowl or, you know, some quinoa rice with vegetables and some lean chicken or whatever it might be is going to make me feel great. So now I correlate that feeling of great, even if that's plain and has no seasoning on it still tastes good to me now. Mm. It took a while for that to happen, but it can happen. Healthy food now tastes good because I know exactly how it's going to feel because I'm so in touch with my shit. Mm, fuck yeah. I think that's really powerful. If we can empower others to be intuitive with the way they move, the way they eat, the way that they approach day-to-day -day things, right? Well, it's instant gratification, right? Like, yeah. like you mentioned before. Eating the lunch that tastes good is a 10-minute gratification. If to, after 10 minutes, it's in your body. I bet you didn't wish you had it after it was in your body. It's honestly, it's like porn. And I bet a lot of guys will relate to this. You tell yourself, I'm not going to masturbate. I'm not going to watch porn. And then somehow you get turned on and then you watch the porn. And then after you're done, you're like, oh, I wish I didn't do it. Exactly. But in the moment, you're like, oh, I'm glad I'm doing it. When it's over, you're like, oh, I wish I didn't do it. Exactly. Because the gratification part's over. Yeah. So what is a cheat meal? A cheat meal is only good while you're eating it. Once it's in your body, you're fucked. Yeah. I bet half the time you wish you could go vomit up the cheat meal, but nobody mm. wants to be bulimic. Mm. But I can't tell you how many times I've snacked on something unconsciously and then I thought, fuck, this is in my body now. Oh, I wish I could get it out. I regret this so much. And I almost want to go to the toilet and gag it out of myself. Yeah. And I'm disgusted with myself. I'm like, I'm not doing that again. Yeah. What up, fam? Sorry to interrupt today's show, but I am so excited. This podcast, the Energy Exchange podcast, is something that I have put my blood, sweat, and tears into. And honestly, the best way that you can show your gratitude for me and this show is by leaving an honest review in the iTunes store. It would genuinely mean the world to hear your feedback and to support this mission. Word of mouth is my oxygen. Thank you so much, fam. I appreciate you. I love you. Let's get back to the show. Okay, a couple of things, a couple of interesting things. Yeah, so I'm definitely guilty of this and I'm sure any guy listening, watching, it's like, you know, you give into that urge or that temptation and it's like, feels good right there in the moment. And then as soon as you bust that load, it's like, fuck, I just... I'm never going to get those eight minutes back. <laughs> and then it's like, you have to clean it up. We already have a toilet paper shortage. So it's like, damn, man, like understand the, the repercussions of your actions. And then also with that shitty meal, whatever it may be, like those vegetable oils, those other additives, they don't just stay in your body for a couple hours. Like yeah. those vegetable oils from, you know, eating out and, and, Eating out doesn't have to be at fast food. You get shitty food at nice restaurants too because oh, yeah. they're cooking with cheap industrial oils and that stuff will stay in your GI tract for up to three weeks. And cheap meats and cheap ingredients. Yeah. You might go order organic or you might go buy organic groceries at the grocery store like I do and then go out to eat three nights a week. You're not getting organic groceries unless it's specifically an organic restaurant that promotes that. So you're very organic, man. I appreciate your honesty and your openness. And one of the things that you and I were talking about, like these last couple of days spending time together was, and we touched on it last time too, I believe is like a lot of people, uh, see you as just this guy on social media who is posting these videos of doing 
super dope movement, right? And maybe they, that that's like what they know of you. And maybe what I've noticed from you is like, you don't want to attach that as your identity. Mm-hmm. You want to, you want to grow away from that and, and, and kind of, it, not necessarily like distance yourself from that guy. Cause that's a very special guy. And the stuff that you do has impacted tons of people around the world, but it's also like building that independence from that person. Mm-hmm. Does that, did I articulate that well? Yeah, no, I think you, you hit it. I mean, it's one of my sensitive areas, right? Yeah. And you're obviously familiar that we, we talked about that. I never wanted to be seen as a personal trainer. I never wanted to be seen as a fitness professional. I came from a family that was very business oriented. And if you weren't pursuing some sort of business that might make you a millionaire one day, then, it, then why are you doing it? I guess, right? It's not a real job. You shouldn't go to college for it. The college would be a bad investment. Um, this was pretty much just the background I came from, the advice that I was given by my parents. And it wasn't like I desired to be a fitness person and it was told this other device. I just, it, it didn't even create, the, it wasn't an option. I graduated college, fitness was a hobby. I was always an athlete, but I call it, graduated with a degree in advertising and economics. And I said, I guess I'm going to the business world. And however many years in business, sitting there miserably thinking there's gotta be more to life than this. Somehow I wound up, building an audience on the side through the calisthenic stuff I was doing, being known as an athlete. And it provided me with the opportunity to create a program, which is what I now sell. And it is, it's, it's my career, but I would love to be looked at as a businessman. Who's a marketer that can, that can build this business. But my outward image to people is the athlete that you all know in calisthenics. And and typically my fear is that I'm just seen as a jock. And what's a jock? A dumb jock. He's not smart. He's not business. He doesn't have a degree. He's just the athlete. Um, And I never would have taken myself seriously. And it's funny because I was so scared to fully dive into what I'm doing that I didn't give it my all at the beginning. And it didn't, it wasn't successful for the first few years because I was too embarrassed to, to, to get behind my own message. Mm. Now I just don't give a fuck anymore. Honestly, nothing's changed. I'm not out there promoting or most people on Instagram that follow me have no idea that, that I do this other thing for, for business. They just think I'm an Instagram athlete and probably get paid by Instagram. I just don't give a fuck anymore because the truth is I make more money than my friends that have, that sit in their nine to five, nine to six, every single day working in finance, working for a friend. I make as much, if not more money than them. And I have my life to myself. And nobody knows that. Nobody's proud of me for that. They probably just think I have a shallow life as an influencer and whatever it is. But if I cared, I wouldn't be on this path and therefore wouldn't be living such an amazing life. And all of that would be because I gave a shit what other people think. Mm. So here's your application to people who are scared because, oh, people are going to judge you, whatever. Fuck them. Yeah. Fuck anybody who's going to judge you when you know that this is what you want. Because if you don't do what you want and in 20 years you look back and you're like, damn, I wish I just didn't care. Because when you're older, you're going to give less fucks. As you get older, you definitely give less fucks. My great grandma did never use pleases and thank yous because she didn't give a fuck. She's 90 something years old. All that goes out the window. So you're going to not care when you're older. I just wish you could have the hindsight now to say, fuck it. Because you don't want to have those regrets when you're, I wish I did this. I shouldn't Mm -hmm. have cared what people think. Stop caring now. Just stop. And that's why I... go back to positive affirmations, why I don't believe in positive affirmations. And to give you some background on that, I personally don't support the idea of positive mirror affirmations where like, there's a lot of self-help books that'll say, go to the mirror and say, you're beautiful. You're amazing. You're going to be successful. Forget what everybody else said. You're really, truly an amazing person, yada, yada, yada. Where it might work and if it works for you and has worked for you, great. Some systems work for some people, some don't. For me, I'd rather not lie to myself. If I lie to myself, then I'm not going to change anything. I'd rather look at myself in the mirror and say, you're disappointing me. You have so much more to offer. You're being lazy every day. Stop being a piece of shit. Get off your ass and take control of the shit that you want in life. Instead of sitting back and talking to the mirror, hoping it's just going to manifest. It's not going to happen. Tell yourself you suck so you can see the problem and say, okay, here's the problem. I suck. What's the solution? Mm. Now we're solution oriented. If we go to the mirror and say, oh, you're amazing all day long. There's no solution. You just told yourself you're amazing. Why change anything? That's why it doesn't make sense to me. 
Mm. So I'm all for admitting when you suck, if that's the term we should use, and growing. We should be growing. We should be looking for opportunities of growth always. Wow. Boom. That was like five minutes of just, we're coming up on July 4th, bro. That was straight fireworks in my fucking brain. I'm like, let's get it. Independence as a country and as an individual. Ooh, I love it. And, and, uh, just unpacking the first thing that you, you mentioned about really going all in on your dreams rather than like one foot in and one foot out like Mm. you were before. I think this hopefully is a time where people are at a heightened awareness and reflection because I mean, how many people filed for unemployment like the last three months? Oh yeah. That's got something crazy. Yeah. Like 30 million. I don't want to butcher the number, but an all time high in our, in our world, in our country's history. Unemployment, furloughs. Exactly. So a lot of people get into these jobs because of safety and security. Hopefully now you understand that the safest and securest investment you can make is in yourself, is in your personal growth, is in developing your mindset and, and accumulating skills that are going to be transferable. Myself, how's that going to make me money? Exactly. And, 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 and honestly, what I've learned is like, it might not in the short term, right? But But. if you have that vision and you know, like, this is something that I really want to pursue. I really want to get after. And just to be fully transparent, like this podcast that you're listening to now and watching now, like actually cost me money. It cost me money to produce it and have this amazing studio and, and have my team create amazing content. Like I know in the future, it's going to make me money because I'm committed to being consistent with it. And I know two years down the road, four years down the road, it's going to just amplify in terms of reach and audience. So I understand that by doing this and, 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 putting in the reps and becoming a better communicator and the reps. I like that. And, and, and getting and building amazing relationships with people like you, I know it's going to be successful, but a lot of people get so caught up. It's a timing thing. Like there's such a lack of patience and it's like, for me, it's in gratification. It's like, it's like you need urgency, right? In the short term for things that need to get done and you need to address, but you need patience for the long-term vision. Like you can't build an empire overnight or in a month or in three months. You know, you just, just to give you guys a little background on, on Adam, like when he created his first program for body alchemy, that was over three years ago. Um, and, uh, didn't work. Yeah. And, didn't work at the beginning. It didn't work for the first year. It didn't work for the first year and a half. I don't know why I kept doing it, but I did. And I'm glad. And it's really funny because I have so many friends in real estate and every real estate person will tell you, if you pick up a real estate career, it takes two years, never any less to start building up your network so that connections will lead to other connections and you'll eventually have a book. Anybody who starts real estate and thinks in six months, this is going to be what, what pays me my salary every single day. There's no instant gratification in that business. It didn't happen in mine. And I don't know many industries that aren't going to take a sacrifice of years. And it's not because it takes that much time. It takes that much time to figure it out. It takes that much time to have the confidence. It just, it's, it's a lot. I would love to comment on the personal growth, not making you money though, because let me ask, well, I'll ask you this, but for the viewers, if you go into an interview while you're at a low, do you not think the person interviewing you is going to feel that you're just like not that passionate? You might not get the job. If you're on a high the day before the interview, you bumped into a girl you've always wanted to talk to. You got her number. You went to the gym in the morning before the interview. You got that win in in the beginning of the day. And then you go in, you still might not get it or you might, but you're that much more likely to. So working on yourself presents you with this aura that you carry through life. And that is going to affect your relationships with people that and the relationships are going to affect job opportunities, whether you have a job, whether you're looking to get hired, whether you're looking to build something on the side, all of these opportunities present themselves the minute that you start focusing on yourself. Mm, Yeah. And that relationship with yourself, 
is a direct reflection of all the relationships in your life. Like, it's the only thing that lasts forever. Yeah. We want to focus on getting so good at our job for our boss, for the company. That's not going to last forever. I can't believe people that don't want to work on themselves, that prioritize everything else first. If you prioritize that first, everything else will be that much easier. Yeah. What is something, what is part of the relationship with yourself right now that maybe you want to improve or that you want to take to the next level? Um, so I recently, well, I, I, be, I had been in a relationship for a while over the course of the last year. I didn't want to get too much into relationship stuff because it's a, an interesting time for me and the person I've, I've been seeing. Um, but where I think I'm a good communicator because I'm not emotional and I don't think that you can have intelligent communications while being emotional, you have to remove the emotion to be able to speak intelligently. Um, I also recognize that when I talk to people, they tend to be more emotional and it's harder for me to have that conversation. But a lot of it has to do with my approach. I know I'm aggressive. I could be intense. I come from New Jersey, which might be different than where I live now in California. People are very sensitive and reserved in California. Jersey's all up in your face. Bro, what are you thinking? You know how it can be. Let's go. go. I can match that energy. Yeah, I know you can. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think that every sort of communication is two-sided. So if somebody gets offended when you speak and you're like, oh my God, how could they get so offended? Well, look at yourself because there's two sides to it. Either they're really sensitive or you were too aggressive. So anytime that I'm not met with the response that I want in a, in, a, in a communication, I used to try to put it on the other person. Now I accept all of the blame myself. I have the power to control every situation in my life and including every single communication. Mm, I love that. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think when you get to a point where you're willing to take ownership of every aspect of your life, then you fully become free because you're not tied on to expectations or validation from others. It's literally like you are taking accountability and that's hard, right? But it's also liberating as fuck because you understand like that you do play a role in your reality. And a lot of times, you know, there's, there are so many things that we don't have control over, but when you understand like, okay, here's what I have control over and here's what I can do to put ourselves in the best position to whatever it may be, uh, improve this area or improve that relationship. Then you're coming from a place of like ownership, right? I think there's a little bit of compassion that needs to be in there as well. Mm. I think compassion is going to guide everybody through life. And most people don't really have a good grasp as to what that means. But compassion is everything that you don't understand that's going on in someone's life. So if somebody's walking down the street and they give you a mean ass shoulder, and you're like, what a dick. You just made an assumption that this person's an asshole and all the things are going through your head, how, why this is a terrible person. But if you found out that, God forbid, their mother had just passed away and then they bumped in you because they're just so upset, you'd say, I get it, you know? And you would be compassionate, right? But you don't need to know that information to have compassion. And that's the idea. Don't make the assumption. Don't assume the worst, have compassion. And you can have compassion in communication. And I think that that's the biggest thing that's helped me realize that I do have control over the communication and I don't need to blame people where I've had relationship struggles before where I said, my girlfriend isn't good enough at this, or I wish she could be better at this, or I wish she could change, or if only she did this. I'm all of a sudden making all of this her problem. It's not her problem. That's my problem. If she doesn't do this the way that I like, it's my problem. If Mm -hmm. I think she should do this differently, it's my problem. But most of us like to deflect and make it the other person's problem. Mm. And that's not giving them an opportunity or, or an environment where they could change or try to do anything. If the girl that I just stopped dating, um, is too emotional for me, she's only too emotional for me in our relationship. She's not too emotional in her life, Yeah, just in our dynamic. Maybe she dates somebody else where she's not emotional enough. Yeah. So I'm never going to go say, this is wrong. You are bad. You're not good enough. No, just in regards to us. Mm. It's so, not me. It's you. Right. It's not you. Need, well, it's not, it's not you. It's me. It's not me. It's you. It's us. Yeah. You know, you don't need to change. You only need to change for the sake of this. But if it's not, if we're not together anymore, you don't need to change. That's up to you if you want to work on yourself or not. Mm. Yeah, that's powerful. And you mentioned before this, the idea of uh, insecurity 
versus opportunity. Mm -hmm. Can you dive a little deeper into exactly what those terms mean to you? I think that typically when you hit somebody with criticism, and I mean typically just because my experience is this, when you give somebody criticism, they, they can become insecure. They take it as a bash. I'm not good enough. Let me, let me defend myself. Well, excuse, or I didn't do it because of this, or, or you made me because of your attitude, and, and I'm trying to give off this vibe of insecurity because we all know what it looks like. You say, hey, baby, can we have a talk? Like, you said something that I didn't really like, you know, like, it, it really bothered me. And instead of the person saying, I hear you, I'm sorry, like, I'll, I'll, I'll try to do it differently, they do, well, uh, well, you've said this to me in the past, and you've done it. That's when you see the insecurity flaring. Mm -hmm. Now, we all as listeners have the choice to take criticism two ways. We could take it as constructive, or we can take it like our insecurity just as I just described with our insecurity. Defensive, yeah. And one of my closest friends, we used to have a little bit of butting heads back in the day. He's a little bit wiser. We're both a little bit wiser, a little bit more aware of things. And he had covered me for a couple of dinners, just casually had paid for it, and I owed him on the Venmo. But I forgot the Venmo a few nights in a row. So the Venmos had added up. Was I keeping track of how much I owed him? No, because why would I keep track? He was keeping track of it. And he said to me, he's like, bro, like, you know, you owe me a little bit of money and like, I don't want to like keep having to like, you know, message you every single time and bug you for cash. Cause it's not a lot that I don't care, but like, it's just the principle. And I said, I'm not insecure. No reason to defend. I don't feel like you're over asking for $20 that you shouldn't care about $20. Instead. I said, I didn't have awareness to the situation. Now that you've spoken to me, I now have the awareness that this exists. Mm. I have a choice now. Use it, see it as an opportunity to grow or become insecure and say, fuck that. Yeah. He's my best friend. Why yeah. would I not want to see it as not, he doesn't, he's not, it's not malicious. He's not out to hurt me. Yeah. And I think that that was an issue I had in my last relationship is when I would approach her with constructive criticism to our relationship, she would take it as if she wasn't good enough and the insecurities would flare out. And I'm, I'm thinking like, no, I date you and I love you. That means you're good enough. Mm. I'm just sharing this with you. So now you're aware and then hopefully we can grow. If you're not willing to grow, well, then that's speaking for itself and that's its own issue. Mm. But the issue is not the issue. The issue is the fact that you're not willing to grow. Mm, that's powerful. That is really powerful. And, and being willing to receive that feedback, like you said, it comes back to another four agreement, right? You touched on the one, don't make assumptions. Right. And now it's don't take things personally. Right. And, and it's, it's hard not to. And, and a lot of times we have little moments that aren't a big deal, like one missed Venmo payment, right? Then another one happens. And these don't have to be Venmo payments. They can be, maybe it's a word that was said or a thought that was communicated. And these start to stack up. Similarly to how you can stack up these positive habits and it manifests into momentum. Mm -hmm. You can also build up these little situations of resentment and then you don't communicate them and it stacks up and then you just fucking explode. I, 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 I keep learning so much on these topics and it always comes down to who you surround yourself with and like your ability to communicate. I think the best friends you have in life are the people that you can just communicate with, with no fear, no resistance, not being, you know, afraid to, to piss them off, not being afraid to, for them to piss you off, just being open. I have a, another example just to help give more to the metaphor, a friend who was complaining about his neighbors. He said, their neighbors just had a baby. They leave the baby near this open window, cries all day long and right into his apartment. He can't believe how inconsiderate it is. Um, he just like, it, it's, he's beside himself. He just, he, every single day he's trying to figure out how he should yell at them. If he should knock on their door and freak out, like how he should present it. And I had one friend just say to him so casually, like, did you ever think that like they have no idea that the baby's loud? It's a new baby. They have, probably haven't lived with it in this apartment. They probably just don't know. You're all flustered because they're in, you know, they're inconsiderate and you've created this whole story of assumptions in your head. But the truth is they might not know. So all you should do first is just say, hey, are you aware that your baby is loud and by the window? And if you could, I would appreciate it if maybe you shut the window. Mm. Now they have the awareness. Now they can make the choice. So they're not the enemy before they've had the ability to make the choice. Now they can choose. And right. if you approach them correctly, they might receive it better. If you approach them like an asshole, 
If someone comes yelling at me that I'm a dick and I didn't do all of this, I am not going to be down to do it for them. I'd rather somebody friendly ask me for a favor. I'm going to, yeah, sure. Yeah. And I think that's important too, how you said we tell ourselves stories. This person told themselves a story that this family was being disrespectful or this person's telling themselves a story that they're not good enough based on some piece of feedback that you offered them. What is maybe a narrative or story or limiting belief that in the recent past has kind of held you back from fully stepping into your power? Because the way that I'm watching you operate with your business, it seems like there's a lot of confidence, a lot of flow, right? But I know it wasn't always like that. So maybe is there something that stands out that you'd like to share in terms of uh, a story that was holding you back that you somehow convinced yourself was true, but it really wasn't. Well, interesting. The first example that comes to mind is in this relationship, this, this past relationship at the beginning of the relationship, I had kind of gone through a little bit of a spiritual journey. I didn't want to be in a relationship. I really enjoyed my individuality working on myself. Um, and I knew that it just wasn't for me at the time. I didn't have the ability to focus on it. Really, it was that I couldn't be somebody's boyfriend. It's not that I didn't want a girlfriend. I just couldn't be somebody's boyfriend. But the story I told myself is I don't believe in monogamy and I don't want a girlfriend. Pretty much set myself up for failure for that one because I went right into having a girlfriend in a monogamous relationship. But throughout this relationship, I'm busy telling myself I don't even want this girlfriend, even though I loved her and thought she's an amazing person. I don't want a girlfriend and I don't believe in monogamy. A year after dating, monogamy was working. I might have been saying I didn't believe in it, but it was working. And I might have said I didn't want the girlfriend, but I loved her. Mm. So here I am telling a story that's completely not true with what's actually happening in the world. And all it's doing is creating a lot of pressure in, this, in, the, in the actual real environment because I'm saying something completely different. And it's not just that story. It's funny because as I talk about, and I try to give people this perspective as like, you create the stories in your life and you're the author. Why would you want to tell yourself this sob story? We've created trends in America that it is cool. For instance, started from the bottom and now I'm here. Starting from the middle is not cool. Who wants to start from the middle? That's not as good of a story as started from the bottom. So everybody likes to pretend like they have a little bit more of a struggle as the next. Well, you're telling yourself a story that you're in a struggle. I mean, sure, if you're looking to overcome something, then you're giving yourself an obstacle to overcome, but you're also telling yourself a tough story. I might have told myself stories about my stepmom in the past and the way that my dad is and all of these things that honestly are my truths. And even now I know it's a truth, but the more I keep sticking to the story, the more it is fucking true. It doesn't yeah. allow something else to be different. If I say every day, like me and my dad can't communicate, what happens when the day shows up that he decides he wants to communicate? I've already told myself we can't, so it's not going to happen. So, you know? Yeah, that's, that's, that's powerful because that prevents you from being open to the possibility of the situation improving or changing. Well, and it's, it's opportunities. It's like mirror affirmations. Yeah. Instead of closing the door, look for the opportunity. Yeah. And Instead of telling myself, like, when the bill comes at dinner, like, um, oh, no, I suck at math. I can't do it. I suck. Mm. Instead, maybe you're not good at math, but everybody could be better. So the story could be rephrased. I could be better at math. I'm not very good at it now, but I could be better. So then what happens when the checks comes? The story is I could be better. Let me actually try to be better mm. instead of, no, I suck. Um, Random example. No, it's, it's a, per and, and this is a common one. Sorry, I got distracted. Uh, one that, you probably heard too, is like, I'm terrible at names. I, I, I don't remember names. Right. And so you're not going to try. Exactly. So you're literally like, you understand that your thoughts and your words actually shift your physiology and they shift your behaviors. They shift your habits. So yes, while saying positive affirmations isn't going to make those things happen, you actually have to take action. And I think that's really the main point that you are communicating is like, yes, saying things is great, but there has to be that implementation, right? right. And, and same thing by saying these things like, oh, I am not smart enough to do this, or I don't remember names, like, fuck, like, no chance. You're already putting yourself in that 
behind the eight ball mentality. And also so many people are stuck in this victim mentality as well. Oh, especially in today's world. Yeah. And, 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 and honestly just listening and it goes back, it's a, it's a healthy balance because you talked a, a little bit about compassion. So it's like, yes, having compassion for somebody's situation or your situation, but also understanding that by ruminating in that past, in that narrative, it's not going to help you necessarily get out of it. Right. And you and I are both a solution based oriented people like, okay, yes, that's great to identify a problem. Now let's come to this solution so we can move forward and make the situation better. And just for anyone right now who's struggling and going through an experience that's really challenging, understand that we, we, we feel you, we see you, but at the same time, by staying in that victim mentality, it's a very unpowerful place to be in. Right. And, and you can get stuck there. So whether that is a relationship ending, whether that is your parents getting divorced, whether that is you getting fired from your job, I know these things are all very challenging. Um, however, if you just stay in that moment and let that moment continue living on and dictating your life, you're not going to be able to live the powerful life that you're designed to. Playing the victim. Everybody loves to play the victim in today's world. I think it becomes trendy. You see that kind of happening and I'm not going to discuss too many political issues, but playing the victim might seem like I feel sorry for myself. I can, I'm not getting what I deserve because like it's not available to me. Yeah. You're never going to get it with that attitude. You're just accepting that will, it will never happen. Playing the victim is accepting that you're just not going to get it. Mm. What kind of life is that? Right. I'd rather believe that I can have fucking everything that one day I might be the president. If I want, even though maybe I was born in another country and it'll never actually happen. I'd still like to believe that maybe by the time I get there, I can do enough things to make that not matter. Ooh, we would be, if, if you were president, I was vice president, bro. We would have such a healthier country such a healthier society lunches at schools would be better with more delicious food people would be walking more pe would be required it would not be optional americans would look like soldiers from 300 i can't talk to the deficit of the country i don't know about that but we'd be fit and healthy that's for sure. let's go bro so okay so i know i know we've gone over the hour mark Everywhere. um yeah dude that that's what happens when you and i get together we just we just easy. vibe uh, so curious to know, um, again, I asked you, I asked you last time mm -hmm. if there was three people you could have your final supper with, right? Do you remember this question? Yeah. I don't remember the answer. It was three people that you could have your final supper with. Uh, these people have to be alive. Uh-huh. Right. And again, this is your last meal. So you get to soak in as much knowledge from them, absorb as much knowledge, exchange energy with them. Who would those three people be? Huh. What did, do you remember what I said last time? I mean, we, we have the podcast, so it's not hard to reference. No, I'm just curious. I don't want to say the same thing, but I, I would like to imagine it's got to be wild, right? Well, it, it, again, this is your reality right. and they have to be alive. Hmm. All right. So I want a spiritual leader there. Someone who looks past the words and is looking more for like the feelings. So maybe that's um, like the Dalai Lama, okay. for instance. Um, I also want somebody extremely controversial who's going to say absolutely anything that they believe. Now, before I get judged for this one, remember, this is really just for the sake of the environment I'm creating. But I think Trump, Okay. would be an interesting candidate. Um, I'm not political one party or another. Um, but I think that the reason I would choose him is because he's such a polarizing person, right? Where you have half the population that avidly hates him because they're emotionally charged. He's racist and misogynist, all these things, which like may not be proven, but in political campaigns can go one way. And then you have the other side of people that just back him so hardcore because he's just so raw. And even though they don't know anything about his political stances, they love the rawness. Yeah. That's why I want him at the table. Okay. Um, so we got the Dalai Lama, we got Trump, we need some female energy. Um, and we want, and I want somebody who's also not emotionally charged because I don't want any emotion at my table. Mm. I want to have an intelligent conversation. And the minute that there's emotion present, you're not gonna be able to speak intelligently. Maybe we get um, Oprah. Ooh, 
And I really like Oprah recently because with all of the things that's going on with the the protests and the race issues in America, um, Black Lives Matters, along with Corona, what's become really apparent about these topics is they're political. It's weird that you could think police brutality would be a political issue, that um, a pandemic would be a political issue. But it is all happening during election year. There are a lot of agendas that are being exercised. I don't believe anything's fake. I just think that when something happens in the news, people can harness it for their own ability. And Oprah, interestingly enough, has not chosen sides on any of these topics. Mm. She's instead remained an intelligent thinker in between, and she's like me. I'm not political. I don't pick a side. I like the middle to weigh out everything. Because when the entire crowd runs this way and drinks the Kool-Aid, I'm not running with them. Instead, I'm going to take a step back, observe, and then make my decisions. Mm. Fuck yeah, bro. I love that. Well, well, you could be there too, just so you know. I didn't mean to cut you out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be orchestrating. Okay, I'll be okay. facilitating the go. conversation. If anything gets weird between Dalai Lama and Trump, I'll make sure that I separate that. Um, <laughs> uh, dude, I just want to acknowledge you because obviously when we recorded last time uh, six or seven months ago, mm-hmm. it was like our second time connecting. Right. And I feel like now we've cultivated uh, more connection and I just, I, I feel like you're a great reflection of me and I feel like, um, exactly, bro, that's what it is. And I feel like there's a, it's a great synergistic energy exchange because I feel like I have a lot to learn from you and I feel like hopefully I'm able to help you and support you in some capacity as well. As we both chase our dreams together, we need as much support, as much accountability as much feedback as possible and um i'm grateful to have you in my life dude and i'm grateful for uh for this next week continuing to spend time together and yeah bro do you have any final words final words i'd say that um one of the things that one of the values i have in our relationship um and i'm sure you you viewers have learned that from watching other podcast episodes is that you, you break things down differently. Someone who's super spiritual likes to use meditation. Let me save space. And like this whole spiritual realm where like, you're like, okay, that's a bit much. Right. Someone like my dad wouldn't hear a word out of a spiritual person's mouth because it's going to trigger him. Like, all right, you're a monk. Right. But someone like Tony Robbins uses all of the same spiritual teachings, just doesn't use those trigger words instead makes it more palatable. And that's what I think your power is in this podcast, in life, in our, in our conversations is I don't have to get through the layer of the bullshit to get the realness out. Mm. And honestly, like a lot of people put up these fronts, sometimes a super spiritual person wearing the, the gowns and the jewelries and the gym, they got all these beads on. They're just as lost as the next person. They're just using this as a facade to cover their insecurities and where they're lost. So some of the most spiritual and most connected people, they just fit in and you don't even notice them. They might just dress like an athlete or like a bro. But that's what I think. You're probably one of the more spiritually unspiritual people that I know. Mm, I take that as a compliment. Anytime you throw Tony Robbins in the same context or paragraph as me, I'm like very, very humbled. So I appreciate that. And, And guys, you already know what time it is. It's time to really fucking implement and take action on this. Remember, I talked about this last week, but remember fast. If you really want to retain this information, F, you got to forget. You got to unlearn all of the bullshit, all the stories that you've been telling yourself that are holding you back from really stepping in to your reality that you're designed to live. A is for action. Stop being passive. Just like stretches, if you're passive, you're not getting the benefit, right? You're not building mobility. You're not building strength in your range of motion. So be active as you're listening to Adam and myself and really take action on the things that really resonated with you. S is state. You want to get in that peak state, whether that's doing some breaths, whether that's moving your body, whether that is uh, having a phone call or getting outside some sunshine, get in a peak state to fuel your performance and fuel your mind. And then finally, T is for teach. All right. What Adam and I want you to do is teach the most important point that you learned today to someone in your life. Okay. So tag us in your stories on IG. Okay. It's Adam underscore Freighter, 
And you know me, it's Coach Jeremy305. Let us know what was the biggest divine download you had today. Share it with us so we can continue cultivating this conversation. We love you so much. And you already know what time it is. It's time to fucking take action. Start saying why not instead of saying why. Ooh. Exchange that energy. Let's go. Yo, close it off. Let's get it. So this has been another episode of the Energy Exchange Podcast with Coach Jeremy305 and your boy Adam Freider. Apply. Use application with the knowledge that you have and let's all grow. Let's get it. Please, please, please let me know what you thought. Let me know how I did. Let me know what was the biggest divine download that you had because ultimately that allows me to be better. And not only that, when you teach something, when you share something, that means you're learning it twice. That means it's becoming a habit. That means it's becoming part of your DNA. So much love, fam. And as always, it would mean the world if you took that extra 13 to 24 seconds to leave a review in the iTunes store. It helps spread this message and reach more people. I got so much love for you and I will see you back here for Monday's show. Peace out.